We're going to look this morning at Romans chapter 4, and we're going to start in verse 1. We're going to read down through quite a bit of this text this morning and uh, tell you a little bit more about what we're going to talk about. So Romans chapter 4 and verse number 1, the scripture says, What shall we say then that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man, unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven, and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only, or upon the uncircumcision also? For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How was it then reckoned? When he was in circumcision, or in uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had yet being uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. And the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had being yet uncircumcised. Then skip down to verse number 21. And being fully persuaded that what he, God, had promised, he was able also to perform. And therefore it was imputed unto him, Abraham, for righteousness. Now it was not imputed for his sake alone. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him. But for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. So this morning we're going to look at the scriptural definition of imputed. We're going to look at three scriptural examples of this word and of, uh, uh, look at three scriptural examples of impute. And then we're going to see the scriptural demand on us for this imputing. So let's go to the God in prayer and ask for his help this morning. Lord, thank you for your word. And uh, thank you, God, for that. It, we know this morning that it's perfect. And I thank you, God, for the truth that you're revealing to us this morning here in your word. I pray that you'd please speak to our hearts, help us to better understand this word impute and, and to see what's been imputed to our account. And God, if our account is not what it should be, if it's not right, I pray, God, that you'd help us to see today how to make that right. Lord, I pray that you'd help us as we study this. Um, please help me, Lord, to communicate your word effectively. And we just ask for your help this morning and knowledge our need upon you. In Christ's name, amen. The first thing that we're going to look at this morning is the scriptural definition of impute. Um, you find this word in verse number 11, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. You find it in verse 6. You find it in verse 8. And then three times within the last four verses of the chapter. And uh, in dealing with the young people this morning, we're going through the book of Romans in our Sunday school class. And I wanted to teach them that when they come across a word that they don't know, it's really important to find out what the word means. Because if they were to read through this, or if anybody was to read through this chapter and try and understand what God's saying, you can't without understanding what the, the word impute means. And so let's look at this this morning. Now, you've heard, you guys have been here long enough that you know that the uh, and pastor dealt with this through the Truth from the Beginning series, how that your King James Bible has a built-in cross-reference system. And so many times when you come across a word that you don't know what it means or you don't uh, understand it, you can go to other places in the Scripture where that word is used and find out how God defines that word. Well, the cool thing is this morning, 
You don't even have to go out of the chapter to figure out what impute means because God defines it here for us in this text. So look at, again with me at Romans chapter 4 and verse 1. He says, What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof the glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Verse 4, Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. And then verse 6 says that God imputeth righteousness without work. So all of a sudden, what we've seen now is impute. It means to count or to reckon. So uh, uh, Webster's definition uh, in the, his 1828 dictionary, it says it means to assign in an account or to set to the account of. So God has told us that there's something that is imputed. And what impute means is you have an account and you set something, you put something to that account. Now, how many of you like your bank account? How many of you wish there was more in your bank account? How many of you have a teenager that likes to deplete that account? All right. We're very familiar with the term when you, when you put it into... Uh, we're very familiar with this concept when you think about it in banking terms. Right, Matt? <laughs> he was talking to me this week about... We uh, read a book on the stock market, and he was talking to me about put options... And so I'm interested after this to ask you if this has anything to do with imputing and put and maybe shortening that word. But long story short, he knew a lot more about it than I did. So we're going to deal with a checking account this morning. We'll just keep it, we'll keep it simple where I live, all right? A checking account. If uh, you show up at the bank tomorrow and you go to deposit a check, they will deposit, we think of it as depositing, they will impute that money to your account. Um, so we're all familiar with that term. I won't spend time there. All right. The impute here scripturally, it means counted or reckoned. Imputed means to charge, to attribute, or set to the account of. Um, now, let's look at our scriptural examples because we, we know the word impute means to set to the account of. But what is it from our text that gets imputed? All right, we think about money. We love it when money is imputed or deposited to our account. If you woke up tomorrow, you went to the bank, and you found out there was $10,000 that came from you don't know where, you would just be really excited that somebody put that on your account. Uh, if you woke up and there was $10,000 less than there should be, you'd be contacting your credit agencies and all that kind of stuff to figure out where the fraud was. But we're going to look at the scriptural examples this morning. The first one is Abraham. first one is Abraham. He says in verse 2, For if Abraham... Uh, Let's got to start in verse 1. What shall we say then that Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? Notice this. Abraham found something. Kind of reminds me of when Noah found grace in the eyes of God. Noah, or Abraham here, he did not work for anything. He did not create anything. He did not try to concoct this. It was something that he found. Verse 2. For if Abraham were justified... By works. Now, justified means he was declared righteous. It means to be declared righteous, that's a legal term. If he was justified by works, he hath whereof the glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. So, where did this happen? He says it says this in the scriptures. Well, look back at Genesis 15. This is the cross reference that Paul is giving us here through the inspiration of the Spirit. In Romans, so Genesis, Genesis chapter fifteen, he says the Scripture tells us something about the 
imputing that happened for Abraham. Genesis 15 and verse 1. After these things, uh, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed. And lo, one born in mine house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto me, and behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that cometh, uh, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted to it to him for righteousness. So God counted Abraham's faith to his account for righteousness. So the first thing that we're going to see here this morning is that God can impute righteousness. Righteousness that's not deserved, that wasn't there before, that cannot be earned. God has the ability to impute or to reckon or count to somebody's account righteousness. That's an amazing ability. And that ability belongs only to God. You see, in this text, we don't find a priest counting righteousness to someone. We don't see a church counting righteousness to someone through membership. We don't see water or baptism counting righteousness to someone. We see here that Abraham found righteousness by faith and God was the one counting the righteousness to Abraham's account. All right, so righteousness can be accounted, and here we see it's by faith. The second scriptural um, example is David. Look at um, look back at our text at Romans chapter 4. Our first example was Abraham. The second example in this text is David. Look at Romans chapter 4 and verse 5. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness, even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man, unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. So here, David is going to teach us, not only can righteousness be imputed, but what else here in this text can be imputed to someone's account? And it'd be the opposite of righteousness. And here he says sin. Look with me here at, at uh, Psalm 32. And this is the Old Testament quotation, again, that the Holy Spirit is inspiring Paul to use. Psalm 32. Psalm 32 and verse 1. Is our quotation there of Romans four? He says, "Blessed, verse one, blessed are those, uh, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile." Now, let me identify a couple of uh, characters, a couple of people that have already been identified in our text. First of all, you have God, and what we've learned about God is that He has the ability to impute or count to someone's account righteousness that they don't deserve, that doesn't. Uh, that they haven't earned for it to be there. So we have God. We have Abraham. Abraham found righteousness with God by faith. 
Then we have David. David describes the blessedness of our fourth person, and that's the man who is, uh, he says it this way, Blessed is he, all right, so this is our fourth person, this guy, this, this person, whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and whose spirit there is no guile. So we have God, we have Abraham, we have David. And then David describes there's a person that should have had sin, should have had iniquity imputed or reckoned or counted on their account. But it's not counted and righteousness instead is accounted on their account. How many of you are going to scream if I use the word count one more time? <laughs> yeah, Sesame Street, going back there, you know. One, two, three. Just making sure you're awake. David describes the blessedness of this man. Now notice this. David was able to describe the blessedness of the man through the inspiration of the Spirit because he had experienced it in his own life. We read verses 1 and 2. Look at, verse, uh, look at verse 2 again with me. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer, Selah. I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin, Selah. You know, David, a man after God's own heart, a man who displayed faith in God and took a giant down, killed him. He came to the place in his life where he realized that he was a sinner. And that apart from the mercy and grace of God, he would have sin, iniquity, that he had to pay for on his account. Um, look at the direct reference here. Look at Psalm 51. Here in Psalm 32, he says, he's describing the blessedness of the man who had acknowledged, and he identifies where he acknowledged his sin. Where did he do that? Well, in Psalm 51 is where we see David uh, broken and repentant. In Psalm 51, verse, uh, Psalm 51, this was after he had sinned with Bathsheba. He had committed adultery and then sent Uriah the Hittite into the heatest, heated, most heated part of the battle and with, made sure that his captains withdrew the troops at just the right time. So he murdered Uriah the Hittite and took his wife. Verse 1 says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge, you see present tense? For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. You see, was David a sinner before he sinned with Bathsheba? Oh yeah, and he recognizes it here. So we need to understand that it doesn't take some great sin where you get put in jail for it for you to have an account before God that is messed up to where sin is imputed to that account. He says, In sin did my mother conceive me. Look back now at Psalm 32. We saw in Psalm 51, he says, I acknowledge my sin. But look at the past tense in verse 5. Psalm 32, verse 5. He says, I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. And what did he find? Thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. So we find out that impute, it means to account or, or to reckon or to put to someone's account. Abraham found righteousness before God by faith. His faith was counted for righteousness. 
David shows us that there's a man that he deserves to have iniquity. He deserves and he has sin imputed to his account. But again, by faith in God and confessing that sin to God, he finds it washed away, forgiven and cleansed. Now look back at our text here in Romans and we'll find one more example. And that's the example of Paul. I'm sorry, I said Romans. Go ahead and turn to the book of Philemon. Look at Philemon. Book of Philemon. If you find the pastoral epistles, the first and uh, I'm sorry, first and second Timothy, Titus, and then Philemon. Just a little book there, one chapter, just 25 verses, right before the book of Hebrews. So between Titus and Hebrews, you'll find the book of Philemon. And look what Paul teaches us about. Another example here of putting something to someone's account. He says, uh, Philemon verse 8, Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient, yet for love's sake I rather beseech thee, being such an one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I beseech thee, speaking to Philemon, for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me, whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him, that is, mine own bowels, whom I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. But without thy mind would I do nothing, that thy benefit should be uh, not be as it were of necessity, but willingly. And now, to set the context, what's happened here is Onesimus used to serve in the house of Philemon. Onesimus, before he got saved, ran away. And providentially, just by, circums- uh, by happenstance, right? He meets Paul, who's in prison. Paul gives Onesimus the gospel and wins him to Christ. And now Paul is sending Onesimus back to Philemon. If you were Onesimus, how excited would you be about going back there? <laughs> There's a chance that maybe when he ran away, he stole some goods, he took some things with him. And what we're going to find here in verse 16, he says he, he's wanting an, a Philemon to receive Onesimus as Paul himself. He's saying, listen, don't look at him anymore as Onesimus, this guy that ran away. Treat him as if you were, would treat me as, I, as if I came into your house. And it's a beautiful picture of the Lord Jesus Christ here. Verse 16, uh, verse 15, For perhaps he therefore departed for a season, that thou shouldest receive him forever, not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved, especially to me, but how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If thou count me therefore a partner... Receive him as myself. If he hath wronged thee, or oweth thee aught, put that on mine account. Put that on mine account. Verse 19, I, Paul, have written it with mine own hand. I will repay it, albeit I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me, even thine own self besides. He's saying, Philemon, when Onesimus comes back, whatever he owes you, if you're going to charge it to him, don't charge it to him. Charge it to my account. Now, do you see here the way the Holy Spirit is going to be pricking the heart of Philemon to forgive Onesimus and to just receive him back in. And you know, this right here is a beautiful picture of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And let's, let's look at this uh, a little bit more. Look at um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And verse 19. To wit, that God was in Christ, 
reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. So again there, I wanted to show that to you, to where again we see that trespasses can be imputed. And here, because of what Christ has done, there is the possibility for someone to not have their sin imputed or reckoned or counted to their account. Now, let's go back to our text in Romans and uh, we'll finish this out. Romans chapter 4. And let's start in verse 3 again. Romans chapter 4, verse 3. For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord will not impute sin. Now, Abraham, I imagine, because of the promise that God gave to him, when he exercised faith, when he placed his faith in God, and he found righteousness before God, I have to imagine there was nothing like that in the world. That the excitement that he had and the knowledge that he had that he was righteous, not because of what he had done, not because of what he had said, not because of the things that he had accomplished, but because he had demonstrated faith in God, he was counted righteous. I have to imagine that David, let's put ourselves in David's shoes for a moment, and you sin in the way that that David sinned. I imagine that our first thought would be, man, I could never be forgiven for that. God is going to hate me. Maybe God will send me to hell because I deserve that. But David describes the blessedness. And he describes with excitement how he had his, his sins forgiven. And when you looked at David's life and you saw the things that he had done, when David looked at his account, he didn't see that sin. Because he looked at his account and he said, it's not been imputed. There's, there's not, that sin has not been reckoned to my account. Now, you and I all have an account before God. It's not a bank account. It's an account before God. Go here with me and uh, let's look at this. I know uh, in the Wednesday night Bible study, you guys have been looking at this. Look at Revelation chapter 20. All of us have an account before God. And what we found is that there is either righteousness on that account or there is sin and iniquity imputed to that account. Revelation chapter, I think it's 21. Uh, uh, sorry, Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 11. The scripture here says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. <laughs> I'm going to try not to mention the Federal Reserve, but... There are some accounting practices that take place in the United States that if the books were opened, how many of you guys realize there would be people that would be in trouble? <laughs> yeah. And right now, you know, that we, if you're into the, into banking things, you know, uh, you know when, the, when the banks crashed, they, it's interesting when you look at how banks are able to have um, more on their books than what they possess in the bank. So if the bank has 10 physical dollars, they can leverage or they can loan out Many times that. 
And what happens in accounting is when you get over leveraged and people open the books and find out uh, we don't have as much money as we've lent out, bad things happen, right, Matt? <laughs> right. And so you hear about transparency and the Federal Reserve needs to be transparent. You know who's got a book that um, is really going to be transparent one day at the Great White Throne? God. And he's going to open the books. And the scripture here says he saw the small and the great stand before God. And the books were opened. So listen, guys, there's a day coming when the accounts are going to be called. When the accounts must be reconciled. And every person's book is going to be opened. And the scripture here says, And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the book or the books. In the books. You see, the Lamb's book of life will be opened. And we're going to see here in a moment how to be in that book of life. But if somebody's name is not found in that book, they are judged out of the books, their accounts that they've had applied all through their life. And so he identifies this for us in Romans chapter 3. He says, There is none righteous, no, not one. There's none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. That's where we are. And that's the sin that has been applied to these books. The dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books and according to their works. Verse 13, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. What that has just showed us is that if... Someone's name is not found written in the book of life. They are judged according to their account. And you know what's on our account? Not righteousness, but sin and iniquity. And David said, in sin did my mother conceive me. Even before, even as for someone that hasn't committed adultery or something worthy of going to, uh, to prison for, they haven't killed somebody. David said, in sin did my mother conceive me. Look back at Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. David sees the blessedness of the man unto whom the Lord will not impute sin. We see Abraham has righteousness imputed to him. David has righteousness imputed to him. But look at verse 23. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him. God didn't write it down that Abraham was accounted righteous just for Abraham. Now, Abraham, if you were Abraham, you'd have been excited that God did that, that God wrote it down and it would help you to remember it. But the scripture says God didn't write that down just for Abraham. God didn't write it down that David found righteousness and had righteousness imputed to his account and the sin that should have gone there didn't. God didn't write that down just for David. Who did he write it down for? Verse 24, But for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on Him that raised up Jesus our Lord for the dead, from the dead. So God didn't write the stuff in the Scriptures just for David, just for Abraham. He wrote it down for you so that you could know that you have an account. And someday that account's going to be called. And someday you will stand before God and the books are going to be opened. And we're going to be judged according to the things that are written in those, in those books unless we are found in the Lamb's book of life. And so God didn't write it down just for those guys. He wrote it for us who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, specifically, what does he say that we believed in this text? Verse 24, he says, If we believe on Him 
that raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. Notice he didn't say those that believe in God. You know, you could, I could go to Sydney High School tomorrow, and we could take a video camera and have the students do some kind of documentary tomorrow, and we could go through the school and say, hey, do you believe that there's a God? Do you believe in God? Do you believe in God? And for the most part, I would imagine most of those kids are going to say, yeah. But the scripture says the devils also believe that there's a God and they tremble. So just because somebody believes that there's a God does not mean that righteousness has been imputed to their account. What must we believe? We must believe that Jesus, our Lord, was raised from the dead. Verse 25, that Christ, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. You see, Jesus Christ was delivered for our offenses. The Bible says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. It says that uh, Matthew twenty seven twenty six. speaking of Pilate, it says, Then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. And you see, Pilate thought he had all that under his control, that he would deliver Jesus. But you know who God set forth to be a propitiation for us? God was in control, and he sent Jesus Christ, the perfect sinless God, to die on the cross to pay for our sins. So he was delivered for our offenses, but not only did he die... What's the second part of this? He was raised again for our justification. You see, because Jesus Christ rose from the dead, that proves that He's God. I've never seen somebody rise them, raise themselves from the dead. We don't have the power to do that. But Jesus Christ rose from the dead, proving that He is God. Proving that the sacrifice that He gave was accepted by God. And declaring us righteous. So this is written, not for Abraham and David only, but for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. So let me ask you this morning, what's on your account? What's on your account? You know, it doesn't matter how much is in your bank account, how much is in the checkbook, how much is on a credit card. What matters for your eternity is what is on those books. What's on your account? There's only one of two things. Either you have believed that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He died on the cross to pay for your sins and rose from the dead three days later, and you've, by faith, accepted Him as your Savior. If that's you, you have a righteousness on your account. This week, when you go to work, if you're saved, <laughs> there may not be a lot in that bank book, but you know what's on the account in heaven? The righteousness of Jesus Christ. You know what, this week when you sin or that thing that you did last week and sometimes you can get discouraged and feel like you're not worthy enough, just go look at your account because the righteousness of Jesus Christ is placed on that account. But if you have never, by faith, trusted Christ as your Savior, if you have tried to earn salvation by coming to church, by reading your Bible, by being a good person, your account is going to fall short. And you're going to be judged according to the things that are in those books. And when those books are opened, it's going to be too late for you. So you know why we tell you this morning? So that you don't get to that point. This morning, if you have an account that has sin imputed to it before a holy God like we've seen in the Scriptures, you can get a new one. You can trade in the stuff that's in those books. For the righteousness of Christ. God says it this way. For he, God, hath made him Christ to be sin for us who knew no sin. 
that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. This morning, why don't you take your account and by faith receive Christ and let God place His righteousness on your account. What's on your account? What's on your account? Let's pray. Lord, thank You for Your grace and to see Abraham that He...